0: On John Schneider's show on Lyman and Bob every Thursday until draft day with Seahawks general manager John Schneider.
1: Well, how about this, everybody? It is the debut episode as we are live at the Virginia Mason Athletic Center here with Wyman and Bob, Seattle Sports Station on 710. And sitting right in between us is the man who pulls all the strings, the man who gets all the credit when things go right. And when things go wrong, we'll point at other people by God. It is uh, GM John Schneider with us. How are you, like man? that
2: intro. How's it going, guys? It's good to how see you. How are we doing? Good, good.
1: We're doing great. It's it's cool to have you here in person and talk to you in person. And I was asking Dave right before he walked down here, I'm like, I wonder why John wants to do this. Because you feel it feels like you've always been a little media shy, like, yeah, it's, it's, I'll do it, but I don't love to do it. But I feel like well, I mean, this is a
2: different version of you. <laughs> when you work with Pete Carroll, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, Batman and Robin or the guy from, uh, <laughs> you know, the guy from, uh, what is it? uh Shoot, major league, right? The color analyst. You know, you, you ever seen yeah. our press conferences? <laughs> yeah. He kind of tends to take over. He's twenty years older than me. He's pretty good at it, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's done it for a long, long time.
0: Well, hey, first thing uh, first, uh, you you made some moves. So on Seahawks. dot com, you made some promotions with your staff, and all these guys are you know the guys that go out and you know kind of report to you. They're scouring the country for players. Tell us about uh, those moves.
2: Yeah, exciting, exciting today. You know, uh, Nolan Teasley, assistant general manager. Now he's done a great job. Started off in our internship program. Uh, we've been doing that since two thousand and ten here, and uh, he's done a great job. Um, and then be able to. Uh, you know put matt barry in, in the senior director position as well and then just people to promote from within is a big deal for us you know we've lost guys over the years but um you know dan morgan ed dodds these guys are you know out at other organizations fit doing Stuff a great better, job yeah. in in carolina um so to be able to, to have our internship program work like this you know aaron heinlein was a was an intern here as well as Willie Schneider and both those guys getting promoted to to uh, director of college scouting and director of uh, pro scouting is, is is a big deal. And uh, again, it's a big deal for us not to go outside to have that from within and have the growth and leadership development. And uh, yeah, excited about it. It's gonna be it's gonna be a great deal. We're just upstairs, you know. We have had our uh, draft meeting started on Monday, and you know we're seven to seven, and these guys are we're gonna go right through, try to get the guys back home for a couple of days before the combine, and then. You know, into the combine and let's rip. Busy time of year, man. I yeah, mean, you guys are out. Like, can you
0: kind of uh, portray like how how all of that stuff comes together? I mean, you're pretty much working year around. How, sure. how soon after the draft do you start? Is it r- right away, or that your guys are on to the next draft? Or
2: yeah, so it's uh, it's usually the last um, week in May. We have the national meetings, and that's when they present. You know, there's 16,000 seniors, right? So they whittle that down to about, I don't know, uh, man, maybe like, uh, shoot, 2,200, something like that. Mm-hmm. And that's what we really focus on. So the guys get those names, and then they go to the schools, and then obviously all their connections at the schools, they start that right away. Their reports have to be done, uh, you know, by July 4th. Uh, the sooner they get them done, the quicker they can be on their vacation. And then we get into... uh uh, the fall scouting, so they'll go into the fall. They'll go into the school. Go into training camp. Uh, spend time with the coaches, all their contacts. Then the next phase is uh, um, the regular season school calls when they get, they actually start playing games and going in and talking to the trainers, equipment guys. I love talking to the equipment guys myself because you like you know you find out like exactly what the dude is like, right? So does he pick up after himself, and you know how does he treat the rest of the staff? It's really important to us and. And uh, Yeah, so the regular season uh, scouting, uh, school calls, games, uh, all the way through until the uh, you know the, the bowl games are a big deal, uh, especially seeing quarterbacks, corners, guys you really need to see live, see how they play in person. Uh, then we get into the All-Star games, and uh, yeah, it's it, it doesn't stop, so we just finish the All-Star games, and then yeah, the guys get about a week to kind of gather themselves, uh, write all the reports on, the all-star games, put grades on people, get back together, and now we're, like I said, we started on Monday, and we hope to be done by next, a week from this coming Friday. Wow. Yeah. A lot of work. And then we go to the combine, and then we're there for eight days, and here we go.
1: Well, yeah. and then you got all these players that have their individual pro days that maybe they don't partake in the combine. Sure. So how do you yep. – do... That's
2: that's after. So right. after the, after the uh, combine, we'll get into – Organizing where we're going to go, what we need to see. So, what determines whether you go? I mean, I know your Qu- scouts questions go. Uh, questions that we haven't that haven't been answered uh, in the past. Uh, you know, or you know, uh, quarterbacks that I didn't get to see play live, corners I didn't get to see play live. Uh, so, you know, in the past, like you know, going to see. I didn't, you know, I had a trip to go see Patrick Mahomes that was canceled. I went to see him at his pro day, uh, and then also uh, Josh Allen at, at Wyoming. Um, something happened. I think it was, uh, I think it was in San Diego. I was supposed to go down there on a Thursday night. And, um, you know. I don't know. Something happened here, so I couldn't
1: go. But do you, yeah, but do so. you just kind of look at each each guy that's having a pro day? And go okay. I want to go to that. I want to be there for this one. I want to be there for this one. And the scouts will go to the other ones, or how? Do sure. You, yeah. How do you divvy it up? yeah,
2: it's 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 all about getting our our, our questions answered and, and the comfort level that we have. Now you want to you know there's certain guys you don't want to show too much interest in. It becomes a big poker game, right? You know, once you get past the combine, so you have to be very careful uh, where you go. Uh, where you show up, but you know we have scouts at every every pro day all of our guys and uh uh so yeah, it's about you know we 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 uh we pride ourselves on not having all the answers until the very end, mm-hmm. so that gives our scouts freedom to uh you know to be to be confident and and in, in in their opinions and and confident in their contacts and knowing the person and uh so you know we'll go we'll go we'll take that right up until you know the week before. We get week before the the, uh, draft. They have to, you know, put a stamp on the guy if he's a Seahawk or not. How's your
0: like? Do you remember guys like? When you see them around the league, I mean, and,
2: oh yeah, because there's got to be yeah. some
0: like a ta- sometimes you might get attached to a guy, and you you really want this guy, yeah. and then and then you know maybe you come back and get him, but is yeah. your retention pretty high for like because you've looked at oh. every one of these I guys? I right? took
2: Julian Allen to this little pizza place at Kent State. I had him out in the in the rain returning pawns from this dude that was like 260 pounds as punter. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but <laughs> you know he, he's uh, and I was I was in uh, I was. At the, I was in San Francisco the, for a preseason game when they opened uh, Levi Stadium, and this guy came walking up to me. and He's like, "Hey, Mister Schneider, uh, you know, you worked me out at Kent State." I'm like, "I only worked out Julian Edelman, dude. Who are? What are you talking about, right?" And he's like, "Well, no, I was the punter." And I was like, "Oh yeah, a <laughs> poor guy I didn't take him for pizza." I'm thinking, "Holy smokes!" But yeah, no, and, and wanting to, I remember wanting to. Uh, uh, to draft him so bad in in green bay and and uh that was that we had a seventh round pick that uh we got um i did a trade with uh, mike tannenbaum with the jets and we had, a, we had a cfl guy um morley was his name and and we we traded him um we got we had cut him and then at the 53 cut and then we got a we got a pick for him so i went to my boss ted thompson decided at the time god rest his soul and i said uh so can I, you know, can I get that, can I pick the seventh-round pick? And he's like, oh, absolutely. And we got around to it and just Julian Edelman. And I'm like, sweet, we're going to pick Julian Edelman. And he's like, no, nah, I was just kidding you, man. We're not gonna do that. <laughs> I'm not going to let you pick the guy. What am I,
1: crazy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No way.
2: Yeah, but, yeah, no, in, in pre games, you know, you've been down a day with us, right. you know, and seeing guys in the pregame. And, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, we're scouting a guy today. Uh, um, Gary Gary Stills was a, was a edge rusher from uh, West Virginia. And they're talking about this guy was out of the room, and I, I was with Pete for a minute. And I came back in the room, and they're talking about this guy and his dad, and da da da. da and I'm like, wait a second, this is Gary Still's son. I'm like, that guy was a that guy was a guy was guy was a rookie when I went to Kansas City in 1997. He was an edge rusher. Make yeah. you Feel old. Man. Oh yeah, very thanks. <laughs> Appreciate that. But yeah, but yeah, but yeah. You know, seeing guys in pregame, and yeah. you know, they 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 remember you, especially when you spend more time with them, and. You know, try to get to know them and get your questions answered. It's
0: always weird. Sorry, Bob. Really quick uh, during during camp, where uh, a a scout would come up and tell me everything about myself, and I'd be (laughs) like, "Who in the world are you?" (laughs) Like those guys are kind of like ghosts. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: You try to be in the background for sure. Hey,
0: you you bring
2: up the poker game that Mm -hmm. goes
1: on. How how do you decipher information that comes out in the media that you know this team's talking to this guy or this team's talking to this guy because you you just said it we always hear about you know GMs or coaches or using media as is, is kind of a weapon yeah, in, 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 in what
2: aspect Bob you're talking about the draft you're talking about free agency you're any of it about,
1: how much do you – how seriously do you take it or you look at every bit of news that comes out about a yeah player it's, and go, it's, it's yeah.
2: another sure it's another any 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 little tidbit, right, is, is something that we have to explore and we have to figure out. So but anything, do you
1: look at it like, yeah, it's probably nonsense because they're leaking that out on purpose, or do you – I'm just trying to gauge I mean, how seriously you take it. De- it de- when you it, hear it depends on the situation.
2: Okay. You know, it depends on – you can tell when, you know, I mean, for instance, you know, teams are saying, you know, hey, they, this team's fielded a lot of calls for such and such player. You're kind of like, really? <laughs> <laughs> have they really? Or are you just trying to trade them? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that sort of stuff. It depends on the situation.
0: Yeah, it's funny. You've told me before that, like, at the end of camp, when everybody's cutting everyone and you're re-signing guys, everybody's very open about it. All the other teams, right? But before
2: Uh, the the draft choices, yeah. 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 But right before the draft, it's the exact opposite, right? Yeah. No, exactly. We, uh, you know, you you know, it's like it's like, uh, you know, right around at the fifty-three, you know, people are just like. no, I'm not gonna give you a seventh round pick. Are you kidding me? Like it's, you're holding on to your firstborn, you know, <laughs> or a six or a, a sixth round pick or whatever. And then you get into the draft, and it's like you know, all throughout the draft, it's like, hey, I'll give you four, I'll give you two, I'll give you one, and you're just moving around like crazy, fielding calls like crazy. So yeah, to your point, you know, you're just you're just throwing around, you know, it, it's it's uh, yeah, it's a, it's a interesting that just the different phases of the season, you know, you know, are always you know different in terms of the compensation for people.
1: When, when it comes to uh, whether it's whether it's draft or your roster, Dave and I were talking about this, and I said, I always visualize Pete and John sitting in a room saying, all right, well, here's plan A. And if that doesn't work, here's B. And mm-hmm. if that doesn't work, here's C. Mm-hmm. I, that's how I visualize it. Yeah. You, you've got it down to E, F, and G. Right, right. Is that true? That's My totally
2: opinion? true. Yeah, you're totally right. I mean, at this at this point last year, you know, Pete and I were sitting around last night, you know, Talking, and you know at this point last year, Russell Wilson was our quarterback, you know, and uh you know all the push you know the trade stuff and all that like hadn't happened yet, and then you know now we started getting into all this, and you know there was all you know a lot of talk and then we headed down a road, so yeah, you have to be ready for. Yeah, A, B, C, and the, the cool thing about working with Pete is he's very pliable. Like he, he can, his mind is like I know you guys have interviewed him before. He's, he can, he, you know, he's, he can just he can he's, he can just keep going and he can accept all the information. So you can you can literally say to him. you know, I've worked with people that that they can't do that. They, mm-hmm. Their mind doesn't work as, as quickly as his does, and, and 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 they don't process the information or as quickly, or um, they're not open to all the different scenarios because they have to fix something you know in a, in a specific order. And, and it doesn't it doesn't work like that. I mean, you're constantly in a world of if this, then that. If you know, if if Bob, then Dave. And you know what I mean. If, you know, and so you're kind of you're kind of like, uh, and that's that's all throughout the year. That's you know trying to fix you know a, sp- a specific per- uh, position, uh, you know, other side of the ball, you know, both sides of the ball. And uh, yeah, I mean. Again, in the different phases of you know free agency, rookie free agency, draft prep, uh, trying to get guys off practice squads. I mean, it's it's a constant, and it's fun. I mean, it's yeah. a, you know, you, but you have to be working with somebody. You have to have a partner with Pete, like Pete. that's like he's he's open to it. He's willing to explore it. You know, yeah. he thinks that stuff's fun. You know.
0: Yeah. Well, a hey, uh, so. Um Somebody texted in today. Of course, we listen. The texture is 100 percent of where all of our ideas come from.
2: Okay. Is, that, some, is that true? Because
0: it's some. No, yeah. some. Uh, <laughs> typically, it's some uh, random okay. maniac. Sure. Uh, but yeah, somebody uh, <clears throat> obviously thinking that uh, that now Gino's going to go to Tampa Bay because Dave Canales
2: went there. But as far right. as yeah, but, <laughs> but no, it's a big. That's a big deal for Dave. I mean, you know, yeah. So I mean, the, it's a Cali and a one mixer, man. You know, that's a big deal. <laughs> it's so big? it's pretty. It's pretty cool for. I thought go cool for Dave and and uh, you know Brad is going to go with him to be the wide receiver coach down there oh and, really? yeah it's a cool deal for these guys and you know we're really happy for him and you know now we're in a position um like you just talked about, Bob. Scenarios like, okay, now we got to move this way. We got to pivot this way. We got to. You know. Yeah. For- I thought the Catalina wine mixer was reserved for the draft. That oh the- no, no, no. Yeah, okay, you can drop that whenever you want. But, okay. Yeah. <laughs>
0: uh, how how are things uh, going on going with Gino right now? As far as like, you know, where you guys are at yeah. as far as that goes, because people are making that assumption because Dave Canales was the quarterback coach, but obviously, you
2: know, those two things don't go together. Well, I mean, obviously, Dave. You know, has a great relationship. Yeah, you know, with with Drew and and uh, and Gino. I mean, I mean, that's you know, shoot, he, he's Gino. I mean, he, he did a great job working with Gino. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, staying after practice with Drew. You know, Sean Mannion. Those guys would work their tails off. You know, for a good hour. You know, hour and a half after practice, they'd be out there in the dark. You know, throwing the ball, working on footwork and, and uh, ball carriage and everything. And so. Um, yeah, I mean, we're, this isn't like you know because we you can't sign people until uh, you know free agency doesn't start until what middle of March. So you, yeah. you know, there's a huge period here. where We have time to you know work through things. And where are we with Gino? Yeah, uh, you know, good talk so far. Yeah. Um, we're 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 in it. We're just trying to you know figure out what's best. Yeah. and, we'll, and we'll, get, we'll 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 do what's right. Yeah, and Pete does a pretty good job, but we always talk
0: about, like, with you, you have a, you know, you talked about Mahomes and, and Josh Allen and mm-hmm. Russell Wilson and had a good eye for, for quarterbacks, and Pete seems to do a good
2: job developing him. Well, like I said before, I mean, Pete's, if you said, what's Pete Carroll's number one attribute, I would say, you know, every well, he's so positive and I'd think, okay, well, great, but his and that's true. Energy's high, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but I would say that his number one attribute is his ability to instill confidence in people. Mm-hmm. And in today's world, I mean, look what he did with, with, at, at USC with all his, you know, all the young guys and and the roster turnover there. So I just think he's got a you know he's got a unique way um, when he when he really buys into somebody to to help them be extremely confident and be at the to, at the at the best at the top level of you know their performance. And you know when 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 he you know it was it was it was a competition here with Gino and Drew. But once he gave, once he told Drew, I'm sorry, once he told Gino, that he was going to be the guy. Gino, Gino, his his confidence went to another level, right? And so, you know, I think he's he's awesome with that. Yeah.
1: Hey, how much do you pay attention to, or are you aware of social media as it pertains to your players? Like, if we we always talk about, oh, well, you know, Quandre tweeted this. Did you see this? Or Gino tweeted that. Did you see that? And then we speculate. Yeah, do you think John and Pete even know that? That so and so said this. Does somebody bring it to your attention if they yeah. think it's of concern, or do you follow yeah. them, or how, how does that work with?
2: Yeah, you? I personally don't, but you know, uh, Dave Pearson and his staff—they do a great job of informing us of, you know, this is what was said, and or this was what was tweeted, and you know, this was on Instagram or whatever. So, yeah. but you know, I mean, all that stuff. I mean, it's just—it's—it's it's so much in the moment, too, you know. And so, I—I I personally don't, you know, pay much much attention to it
0: yeah so you're like me and bob is like dave <laughs> pretty much because really
2: i don't pay any attention to it and yeah. bob tells me everything that happened this bob. happened that happened yeah, yeah i'll say so and so
1: said this what do you think that yeah.
2: means well twitter's just a I think it's a, just a i mean it's just kind of a it seems like a mean space for people you know so oh it is i yeah. kind of
1: just that's why i enjoy yeah. it yeah really a, <laughs> no, <that laughs> negative
2: over here huh? no okay. it's just it
1: yeah. it, it is there, it's a good avenue because you're getting unfiltered opinions or responses sure. from people you wouldn't other, otherwise have access to. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it gets them in trouble, but right. you're, you're getting their version of whatever it is they want to say, not filtered through a reporter or, or edited or anything. So See, and, right. and
0: I think it's it's a, a platform for people who are tragically unqualified to have an opinion. <laughs> Well, there's a lot of avenues for that, Dave. Some are on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> That's neither here nor there. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, um, as far as the draft coming up, uh, so you start to, you, you told us how you get the whole thing going, mm-hmm. lots of information, and then you just, do you have the same kind of ritual every year that you do? I know that one thing about you, you keep a notebook yeah. that you that you write through which is very cool. Mm
2: -hmm. I mean you you can go back do you have that for every year that you've been a GM? Well uh yeah I actually started doing it um uh before I was a GM because you know I was with Marty Schottenheimer in Washington. I was basically I was basically you know, he he had the final say but I was basically the general manager there and, you know, we were there for eight months and got fired. But again that's for a different day. Um (laughs) but uh at that point is when I really started keeping a journal and uh you know, writing down all the lessons about, you know, certain situations. I remember writing about uh, Kellen Winslow when he was in his uh, motorcycle accident, you know, with Cleveland. And how would I handle it? And, you know, what would you say publicly? And how would you handle it in-house? And how do you try to protect him and help him and everything like that? So wow. I remember starting at, at that point, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, the biggest bummer was that uh, the first year Pete and I were together, um, I had my car broken into... And I took my laptop and, and my, my journal. So um, wow. they found a laptop at a crack house in, in Olympia, um, but I didn't get my journal back. But oh. uh, but yeah, it really helps around draft time. And I would say specifically, uh, you know, like the night before, uh, you know, I'll, I'll sit in there by myself and just stare at the board and, you know, pray on it and, 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 and go through my journal and kind of say, hey you know okay so the second remember the second the first round looked like this and you had to be more patient here you had to be more aggressive there when you got to the middle of the second round it looked like this and you know you drafted for need here and you you know you, this went well that didn't go well and, and all the little things that you write down right after the draft and you have to get it down um and that 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 really helps me to have a level of um uh, you know, a strategic level of, 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 of patience and confidence.
1: What What do you know now as a GM after all this experience that if you could have imparted that knowledge upon young John Schneider your first year as a GM, yeah. second year? What, what do you think is the most valuable thing you know now?
2: Like, man, if I would have known this then. Well, I would say it wasn't necessarily in 2010. It was more in in uh, in 2000, uh 2000, 2001 when I went to Washington. I kind of thought I had it nailed, you know yeah and i thought i had all i kind of thought I had all the answers and and uh i didn't and you know um so to be able to you know get fu- to be to be fired to be humbled uh to to pick yourself back up um uh, try to make yourself relevant because it's hard it's hard to get have that na- another chance you know a- in this league and uh so to have another chance to get back after it uh you know coming here in two thousand and ten i would say that you know when I talk to a lot of younger guys now. Uh, and we try to. I try to involve all of our guys in as much as I possibly can. I have to shield them for, for, from certain things because I don't want, you know, just I'm protecting them. I'm protecting the organization. Uh, but I sh- try to shield them. I try to inco- uh, uh, incorporate them in as many decisions as possible because, you know, nobody nobody trains personnel people uh, to be general managers. You know, you're evaluating um, and you're, you're interacting with people, so you're evaluating, um, you know, the the your contact at a school or. Who your contact is with another team when you're trying to help make a trade or you know all that sort of stuff you're you're you're, you know that that part you're trying to um you're just you're you're uh evaluating more than anything but nobody 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 teaches um the personnel guys how to be general managers like they do in coaching to be head coaches you know Mm -hmm. there's coaches clinics and you know all all these different you know guys they they share information and everything and you know, personnel guys try to, you know, kind of keep things tighter because they have to represent the organization. We don't move around quite as much as the coaches do, right? So right. they tend to share more information and, and they have, they just have a, you know, from a leadership standpoint, they're exposed to more. So being able to um, work with, and I've, I've done this, and it's, it's awesome to be able to work with uh, younger guys or people that are aspiring to be general managers and in the fact that, look, man, you're know, you getting a call from security at 2 o'clock in the morning and and, um, you know, you're going to be exposed to things you have never been exposed to. People have been shielding them from you or, or you know, so, so problem solving and, and being on top of it. And I remember Bill Polian told me, um, he said, you know, I said, so words of advice. I was at the Combine and, you uh, know, first year I was, I was the GM here. And he said, uh, he said, uh, yeah, every morning just know that, like, something's going to happen that you're not qualified to handle, but you got it. You'll figure it out. You're a problem solver. And then uh, he said, and don't let people co- keep coming in your office and giving them your monkeys. They're going to keep giving you your, their monkeys because they're not going to make a decision. They're going to give it to you. You take that monkey, turn around, give it right back to them <laughs> before they walk out of your door. <laughs> take and it's this with so, you. And it's so true because if you don't do that, if you just take it on yourself, all of a sudden you just, you just get weighted down. Yeah. Well, I guess we we should probably go to break. But uh,
0: one real quick, just your, your reaction to... Um, the the awards show that was on Thursday, we felt like we got screwed. Uh, No Tariq Woolen no Ken Walker, uh, but Gino got comeback player, we got uh, uh, the best fan award also, but uh, wanted to see those two guys. What what was your reaction?
2: Ah, man, I'm so biased, you know. um, Of course.
0: You you love, those are your children.
2: Yeah, I just, I felt, I was super happy for uh, Gino, Uh, I was just so excited for him. Gino and I have had some really cool talks over the years, and I was just really happy for him, and then, uh, but I was really, I was really. I called Dave Pearson after the, uh, uh, you know, the, the Ken Walker thing. Tariq, I, I mean, he, he's amazing. He did a great job, but it's pretty hard to compete with, with you know, what uh, Gardner did. I mean, he, he he played great this year. I mean, you know, he could argue he was the best corner in the league. So, but I was I was bummed out for him. But the Ken Walker thing, I was like, really, come on, you know. Yeah. I mean, so I called Dave, and I was like, Dave, is that? No, I texted him. I was like. Kurt Warner wasn't. Kurt Warner wasn't the rookie of the year. He's like, well, a guy named Eric Dickerson. I was like, yeah, Eric Dickerson, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. But you know, Ken. I mean, yeah, I was. I yeah, wasn't. I was, I, wasn't, I, wasn't I was not happy. But you know? what a great year for him, man. Both yeah, those guys. Both of them. And, and, and really excited. Really, for those all guys. your rookies. But yeah, cool. I mean, Tariq was. I mean, it was cool to be able to have him placed in a spot where we knew we could get him, and bam, and he took off. He went for it. Yeah.
1: Remember that time you took Tariq Wollin in the fifth round? That was awesome.
2: Became awesome. It was so cool. It was awesome. Yeah. Remember you were the Beatles? Yeah. You
1: weren't weren't dead. That's that's a hoax. Love it. (laughs) Hey, we appreciate you, man. This is going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Every Thursday. Every Thursday at 4 o'clock until uh, night one of the draft, you're going to be with us.
2: Awesome. And I'll share a ton of information with you. Yeah, you're going to give us all nobody the details. Nobody else is, yeah, yeah. is going to get the information.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Dave, Dave's over here. Don't worry. Right now. No, no. Nobody's listening. <laughs>
2: exactly.
1: <laughs> we appreciate all you, man. Right.
2: I appreciate you guys. There you all go. Right. Have a good evening.
1: John Schneider, GM of your Seattle Seahawks, again with us every Thursday at 4 o'clock. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll weigh in on some of what we heard from John. Coming up next, it's Wyman and Bob, Seattle Sports Station on 710. Wyman and Bob,
2: powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio
1: on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. We continue live from the Virginia Mason Athletic Center. It is Wyman and Bob, Seattle Sports Station on seven hundred and ten. Our thanks to Seahawks GM John Schneider for joining us in the previous segment. In case you guys just tuned in, Uh, that was debut the debut of the John Schneider Show. He will be with us every Thursday at four o'clock whether in person or maybe he's on the road, it'll be on the phone. But every Thursday at 4 o'clock up until uh, day one of the NFL draft. So about 10 weeks we will be with uh, John Schneider. So most of the text rolling in, uh, 866-979-3776, powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. Uh, really enjoy John. He's got, he's got a great per- – it, it is interesting that he's – that I, maybe he's just reached a level of comfort after this, this much time in the league and being in that position of, of you know – doing interviews and stuff, because he was always kind of the reluctant, he was always super nice, but you didn't get a sense that he was eager to talk, you know, he would do it because it was kind of part of the gig, but he just seems like he's loose now and having fun and and uh, just a f- interesting, fun guy to talk to.
0: Yeah, he has a very unique personality in that, like, uh, everybody just loves him, you know, yeah. I mean, he's one of those guys that, um, you know, can talk to anybody about anything and... Yeah, it's, I do remember him losing his, his notebook that year because typically we get together. When was that? It was a, I think it was after his first or second year here. Yeah, because we typically get together after the draft every year. Mm-hmm. and uh, And it's really cool to hear some of the stories that, you know, the things that go on. In uh, in the draft room, and you know some of the some of the stuff. Like, <laughs> you know, I I think I told the story about how I was part of uh, supposedly this last minute thing that happened at the draft, where the Chargers were going to draft me in the first round, and two coaches got in f- argument, and finally the owner steps in and says, "Just draft the other guy." And I'm like, "Wow, I could have been," you know. And so there's lots of those things that happen. You yeah. know, they have like you you were asking him. Do you have A, B, C, F, G, H? You know, as far as scenarios go, and you know, there's lots of uh, there's lots of stuff that like that that happens. I mean, it pops up, and now all of a sudden you got to go. Okay, we're going to go this route. That's going to be incredibly stressful.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's kind of cool to know that that is how. I mean, that's how I always pictured it. That yeah. you know, whether it's on a grease board or magnets with names and all that. But just all right. If if this rust thing happens, we're going to do this. And yeah. if, if that doesn't work, we're gonna do this. And if or or if this player's available it's just like their draft board is how I picture every decision they make. Like, all right, well, if we don't re-sign Gino, he goes somewhere, we're gonna do this and we're gonna get this guy. But this guy in the draft we can do this. But plan C is that I just yeah. I feel like they've got they've got it nailed down to the middle of the alphabet probably.
0: Yeah, well and not only that, also they have the benefit of an owner that doesn't try to but herself it's, it's not a shot It's not a jerry jones yeah. It's not a daniel snyder and everything is you know i hired you guys to do this you're the football people go get them so yeah and they uh I, you see jody allen sitting in i'm not sure if paul used to sit in every once in a while but would they show a shot of the control room the draft room and everything and so you know and then you know uh i think the other thing that's cool about it that john really likes is that you're giving these kids an opportunity and you know you're you're changing their lives so i know he loves doing the the calls to the guys that hey you're drafted remember when dk broke yeah. down crying i mean you know get all kinds of different reactions so it's pretty it's pretty rewarding job but man there is a lot of moving pieces man
1: yeah yeah that job feels like one you just don't sleep are you, like, are you ever off the grid? Well, I mean, we can talk to him about this stuff, you know, in the coming weeks. But it just feels like that's a 24-7 job. Because he Probably was never. talking about talking to some of the younger guys like, hey, be ready. You're going to get a call at 2 a.m. from security or, or mm-hmm. something's going to happen or these situations are going to arise that you're going to see things that you never thought you'd see or hear things and just it feels like it's a it's a 24-7 thing and it's not just football season. It just seems like that job doesn't, you don't ever turn it off. You don't ever just say, oh, I'm turning the phone off. We're going into the woods for a week on our darkness retreat with Aaron Rodgers, or we're going <laughs> to go to, we're, me and the wife are going to go to Italy, and I'm not answering my phone. I'm not looking at my email. That feels like, he, I can't picture him doing that or any GM. Like, you, you've always got to know, all right, so and so said this, or this guy got in trouble, this guy got hurt uh, working out at home, or, I mean, who knows? All the things that could happen.
0: Yeah, you know, the, the other thing is the the number of sources that he gets information from. Yeah. And a lot of people might have thought he was joking about going and seeing the equipment guy. The equipment oh, yeah. guys have intel on everybody to their, like, most basic personality, whether it's a flaw or an asset. You know, a guy that goes around and picks up garbage, you know, and mm-hmm. you've heard those kinds of kinds of stories and then you know and ek eric kennedy once again uh like to tell the story that he was the ball boy he was a lake washington kangaroo much like a young bobby stelton and uh (laughs) he was he was the one the ball boy and now he is the equipment manager you hear his voice he does commercials everything but he he runs an incredible amount of you know the logistics of getting all that stuff but also he's got a big huge office and the players come in there And they sort of hold court, you know, like what's going on in the locker room. You know, I talked about how Jacob Green and Joe Nash and Jeff Bryant kind of sort of lorded over the locker room. Like they sort of set the standard, the tone, like what goes, what doesn't. And a lot of that happens in, you know, in those kinds of situations, Eric Kennedy in his office. So, um, you know, when he's going out and trying to get intel on these players, it's kind of like the movie Draft Day with uh, Costner, yeah, where he finds out that nobody went to the quarterback's birthday, birthday party. Yeah, you know that there are those kinds of things that you know you're going to talk to those. They're going to say, this guy's the most solid dude ever, always polite, never this, that. Then you you get other stories as well. And those are taken to heart because, you know, a lot of it is your personality. And uh, and so, <laughs> but can you imagine? I mean, you're sitting there trying to figure out if a guy can play quarterback for you. And you got to, on the other side, go, yeah, but his personality sucks. He's not going to be able to get along. And he's not with, a leader. Or yeah. That. Yeah, so all the different ways that they get that information is pretty pretty interesting. But like you said, I don't know when John sleeps, man.
1: Yeah, when does he sleep? When does he just get away from it? Ever? I mean, it couldn't be for any real length of time, and. Who knows what the they were saying about you at Stanford? Like you tell us about this Wyman guy. Yeah, he throws up before every single game. <laughs> He's, <laughs> He's totally banged up. He's got the body of a fifty year old man. <laughs> He's
0: just yeah.
1: kinda of, we got a we got a shelf full of Pepto Bismol and Tums just for him. Yeah. He's very particular.
0: <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, what happened with me was the fact that I had the knee injury I had and that yeah. I overcame it. And so, you know, there's something you know that's unique in every player and every person that, you know, makes you you love him. I, yeah. I I know I fell into Dave Craig's good graces because, you know, he you're, golfed with somebody that heard the story of my comeback at Stanford. You're regretting that to this Thank day. Thank God. I mean, if, <laughs> if that, my whole life just to get Dave Craig's approval. And now
1: he calls and just, just chews your ear for 30 minutes when you're trying to sleep. It's just how it goes, man. It's beautiful how it worked out. All right. Our thanks to John Schneider again. If you missed that conversation, it will be available on the podcast page at CI. SeattleSports.com after the show. Coming up, is Justin Fields on his way out of Chicago? We'll hear about that when we sweep the dial. Coming up with Wyman and Bob, this is Seattle Sports Station on 710. Scanning the airwaves for the most interesting and entertaining stories of the day. Sweeping the dial. Every afternoon at 445 with Wyman and Bob. Justin Fields was on the uh, Pardon My Take podcast a couple of days ago. Kind of dropped what feels like an innocent comment about not liking playing in the cold, but now you can see after hearing this probably how it's going to get blown out of proportion the next time he struggles in a cold weather game.
0: Yes, it is very difficult to adjust to it, especially with the wind. Um, mm-hmm. That's what I found out. That's that's what it's all about is the wind. You know, it can be cold. It can be 10 degrees. With no wind, you're fine. But with that 15 mile per hour wind, 20 mile per hour wind, mm-hmm. I mean, you can't fight your stuff. The thing is about that weather is like when when it's that cold, you have to bundle up, like put a, a bunch of layers on and stuff like that. And. Your body's cold, so you're not warmed up. So I feel like way slower in that cold weather. So it's tough. Ooh. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you, of course, want to try to stay warm on the sideline and stuff like that. But I mean, it's hard to stay warm in that weather. Um, that cool. Warm-ups and stuff like that. Your hands freezing up. So it's, it's tough. I hope we just get a dome. I don't, I don't care. Yeah. We're at Soldier Field. I don't care. If we're in Arlington Heights. I, I, I hope we get a dome on that. Justin Fields, I want out
1: of Chicago. Yeah, the translation. I want to go to Miami, Tampa, San Diego, sunshine places. That's what I want, or a dome. Yeah, I, listen, I lived in Chicago for five years. I don't blame him. He's not wrong about anything he said there. It is, it's a different level of cold. It is, it hurts. Yeah. You'll get hurt out there, Dave.
0: I, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I kind of experienced that in Eastern Washington when we used to live out in Winthrop. For a little while where we we're outside at night on new year's and if you were more than 10 feet away from the fire it it was painful oh yeah like it hurt your skin it was like somebody slapping you yeah so yeah, yeah I did, I, and also i think the wind is incredibly oh. annoying uh, it's my least favorite weather phenomenon i mean it, if i remember coaching kids out at um it was in Central Washington. At Central Washington University, we had a camp out there, mm-hmm. and I was out there coaching. And So the kids, they can't hear anything because the wind that's blowing through their past the ear hole in your helmet, yeah. it's particularly annoying. And during games where it's windy. But, you know, he's obviously talking about throwing a ball without it getting you know, pushed to the side five yards. Well, and the wind with that cold.
1: Oh, the, it's, it's coming off the lake there in Chicago. It is. The I've wind. never experienced anything like that. You're talking
0: about the windshield factor? The windshield.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And be honest about why you hate wind. It's because it messes up your yard and it's blowing leaves and everything in the yard. Oh, That's thought, why you don't like it. I thought you were going to say my hair. And I was going, <laughs> what? <laughs> well, that hair too. my hair. No, it's your
0: yard. Yeah, yeah. All that, the leaves and branches that end up there because <laughs> of the wind. <laughs> you get it perfectly done. You get the blower out. Sometimes I'll, sometimes I'll be using the blower <laughs> and the wind (laughs) is working against me i'm like see now we got down to the bottom why dave
1: doesn't like wind there you go sweeping the dial if you guys remember uh, MLB Network's, you know, MLB Now, their top ten pitchers, they named Corbin Burns the best pitcher in baseball. Well, his relationship with the Brewers, not the best right now because uh, they took him to arbitration and he was asked if that's going to damage any potential long-term
0: relationship with the club. There, there's no denying that the relationship is definitely, definitely hurt from, um, you know, what, what perspired over the last couple weeks. Um, you know, there's, there, there's really no way to get around that. Um Obviously, we're, we're, we're professionals, and we're going to go out there and, and do our job and I mean, keep giving what I can every five every fifth day that I go out there. But, um, you know, when some of the things that are said that basically put me in the forefront of the reason why we didn't make the postseason last year. I mean, that's
2: something that probably doesn't need to be said. You know, we can go go about a hearing without having to do that. Um, so that's kind of one of those things. Obviously, you know, they, there was no attacking of, of character or of, you know, person of who I was, but um, just the... Just the some of the stuff that was said that you know, definitely didn't need to be um, said is, is, is something that yeah, they kind of disappointed about.
0: Wow. All right, first, you have what are, to what are you pumping your fist for, the malaprop there? Yes,
1: because <laughs> I've told you the story before where I interviewed Johnny Damon years and years ago, and it was a day after their team got their butt kicked, and then they won the game, so they put him on with us the next day. And, a, and I said something along the line. I had to feel good to get this win after what happened last night. And he goes... Yeah, none of us were happy with the way that game perspired. And, <laughs> and then he went and <laughs> just rolled right through it. And that's exactly what Corbin Burns just said there. <laughs> he said the way things perspired. You have to save that clip forever,
0: Lefko. You save that one. Well, he could have been sweating oh, when happened. You don't know. That's right up there with, uh, you yeah, remember the story. I think it was Brock told this one there was a, a guy that was, like, really doubled over in pain in the back of the plane. And so one of the one of his teammates went up to the doctor and says, Man, you got to get back there. Joe Schmagege is in the fecal position. and is In serious pain, he's rolled up in the fecal position. That's so good. Yeah. But, uh, by
1: the way, as far as what he said, I don't know why that doesn't happen more often. Maybe it does and they just don't make it public, but arbitration you're it's one you're there's no negotiation it's either this number we proposed or this number the team proposed and and you've got the arbiter there to make the choice all right the team's number your number and they're making their case as to why their number is valid and it sounds like they're telling him well basically the reason we lost last year in the playoffs is because of you (laughs) you know making their case to pay him less that's a terrible way obviously to to, do business, to do business with somebody who's a tremendous asset to your franchise. And I would
0: assume you'd like to keep around yet. He's hanging on to those words very clearly. Well, and uh, it just, it's the reason why, like in all sports, you should have an agent, you know, I, yeah, the arbitration thing in baseball has always been a mystery to me. Like why you would want to do that. And, and more so the team. Yeah. Because you're going to have to, you're trying to negotiate. You're trying to save money. Like, You know, when you have to be your own agent, you have to brag about yourself, right? Yeah. And then if you're on the other side, you have to tell the person why they're not worth it. Yeah. (laughs) And that that doesn't turn out well. Sweeping the dial. New Cardinals head coach Jonathan Gannon had
1: his first press conference today, and, well, he was asked what he thinks about Kyler Murray.
0: I use the term he's a problem to defend uh, because what he can do. He's a legit problem for defenses. You know, he has a very unique skill set, and that's what I'm looking forward to working with him and showing him hey, this is how defenses are going to try to stop you. Here's what you need to be ready for. And these are the things that we're going to do with him that's going to help him move all the way up and down the field and score a bunch of points and be explosive and protect the football.
1: Fast forward to week nine of the season. What do you think of Kyler Murray? He's a problem. The end. <laughs> the end. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't. I, he seems like he'd be just. He'd be very intriguing to a coach because he is loaded with so much potential and athleticism. But there's, I would assume, there's some level of apprehension in dealing with him as well because he just he seems petulant and he does not seem like a great leader.
0: Yeah, I think you know Jonathan Gannon's going to have to sort of lay down the law. And say, look, this—we're this, not doing things this way. This isn't you and me going back and forth, and especially on the field. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't—you don't show up a coach on the on the field, I don't care who you are. Well remember the, the scene of him yelling at Kingsbury like
1: calm the bleep down Yeah. Calm the bleep down like screaming
0: at him. Right. The other players see that. You know and I just there's no way if I was a head coach, I don't care how big the guy was, I would have to get get in his face. It's like we're not we're not doing that here, man. You yeah. have to you know there's a separation between quarterback and coach that has to stay in put. Uh, I'm sorry. Stay in place, and so yeah, I don't. I don't know how that's going to work with Kyler Murray. Yes, he is a very special player, but it's it's his attitude. That's that's what I what I see anyway. And yeah. you kind of got that from from hard knocks.
1: Yeah, yeah, that, that came
0: through, came shining through.
1: Yeah, we wondered if the cameras are on. Do we get a different version? Does he put on the kinder, gentler? You yeah. know, hey, I'm a misunderstood great guy. No, he, he kind of was who he was and i'll give him credit for being consistent but yeah just not not an issue i I think i'd want to deal with all right coming up nobody better to catch us up on everything happening around the world of major league baseball and the nhl john morosi is going to join us next here with wyman and bob we're live at the virginia mason athletic center this is seattle sports station on seven ten.